0: Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome
2: to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's our last show for 2015, so today we'll take a look back at the year that was. I'll be joined by Dale Goldhawk and Jane Brown for the Zoomer Year in Review. Plus, you have just a few days left to get some key end-of-year financials in order. Gordon Pape will drop by to help us understand how to maximize yearly benefits and what steps we need to take to prepare for a financially prosperous 2016. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Bill 52, the law that will allow Quebec citizens to legally pursue assisted dying, has been upheld by the Quebec Court of Appeal. It's a major victory for the Quebec government and the Right to Die movement, and it means the first law of its kind in Canada remains in effect. Earlier in the month, Quebec's Superior Court temporarily suspended the law until the Criminal Code ban on assisted death is lifted. However, The Quebec Court of Appeal ruled the law does not conflict with the provisions of the criminal code. The court says the sections that ban assisted dying were not valid after the Supreme Court of Canada struck down the federal law against assisted dying last February. The Shanghai government has big plans to help China's aging population in 2016. It's going to open 50 small-scale community-based care centers for the elderly over the next year. This is following the success of 22 such facilities launched last year. The care centers are different from long-stay residential homes. Their goal is to provide senior citizens, especially those living alone or on low incomes, with a range of medical and general support services they can drop in and call on as required. Want to start 2016 with a healthy heart? According to the Boston University School of Medicine, seven lifestyle changes can reduce the risk of heart failure by as much as 60%. These include stopping smoking, regular exercise, a healthy diet, a healthy body mass index, lower cholesterol, keeping blood pressure in check, and maintaining healthy blood sugar levels. And finally, Daylene Bowden, an American Zoomer who works at a middle school cafeteria in Idaho, has learned that no good deed goes unpunished. When a 12-year-old girl approached her for a hot meal but had no money, Daylene handed her a tray of food and said she'd take care of it. She then offered to pay her supervisor the buck 70 the meal cost, but instead, she was put on leave. Then on Monday, she received a letter from the school district saying she had officially been fired over theft of school property. Members of the Pocatello community in Idaho were outraged at Daylene's firing, and over 50,000 signed a petition to help get her job back. Her story also went viral online. It turns out the public outrage worked, and just before Christmas, the school board apologized and sent Daylene a letter offering her her job back. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's that time of year when we take stock of the year that was. By now, we've seen all those annual lists of top news and newsmakers, of 2015's best and brightest and Also, the trend's best forgotten. Here at home, it was a year marked by political change, and I have convened our Zoomer Week in Review year-end panel. Morning News anchor and Associate News Director Jane Brown and Dale Goldhawk, host of Goldhawk Fights Back, as we take a last look at 2015. I think uh, that Canadian press got it right when they named the Newsmaker of the Year Prime Minister Justin Trudeau Who would have thunk it the last time we sat here?
3: Exactly so. I mean, we always said, well, he's a nice guy. He does have nice hair. He even admitted to having nice hair, but he really isn't going to make it. And did he make it in spades?
1: Yeah, he went from third place in the (laughs) polls uh, all the way to a majority victory. And there is a lot of truth. Pollsters will say sometimes it's not bad to start out in last place, especially when it's a long campaign like it was.
0: Well,
3: he didn't, uh, he didn't have to live up to much in the way of expectations because, of course, the expectations for this relatively young man were very low. So there wasn't much of a bar.
2: Well, uh, yeah, I think the conservatives really messed up by underestimating him and by lowering expectations for him and making it so easy for him to exceed them. And I have yeah. to say— the honeymoon is still going strong, and he has not set a foot wrong since he took office. Doesn't seem to be. I mean, he's no. really he's really adhering to his, his personal values. And he hasn't
3: really been tested yet. There's nothing that's come up at this point that is really going to test the mettle of the prime minister. Those days are coming, yeah.
2: One of the strategists was telling me that, you know, as soon as they're going to have to start saying no... And it looks like they started saying no, and the first thing they may have said no to was uh, expanding the Canada Pension Plan nationally after the meeting of um, ministers. So, you know, CARP is not happy that nothing came out of that meeting or that they decided that other priorities were more important. And
3: if the federal government pushed it, they could get – you know, they have enough to get – that uh, enhancement for all Canadians across the country, they kind of left it on the table. Oh, well, we've agreed to continue to talk. There's a whoopee moment. Right,
2: exactly. So on the one hand, he did have a town hall at CARP during the campaign, and he made promises regarding a lot of things that Zoomers want, including that pension thing. Uh, But to me, he represents generational change, in a huge way. And I think that going forward, we've just seen with the CPP issue that maybe that's not necessarily such a good thing for Zoomers. Right. So l- let's proceed to the the thing that I also think correctly. Uh, CP named as the story of the year, and that's the Syrian refugees. And talk about the power of journalism, particularly photojournalism, because nobody was paying much attention until that Horrific, heart-wrenching photo of little um, Alan Curdy mm-hmm. washed up lifeless after his boat sank. And that
1: really spoke to um, the sentiment of Canadians. Uh, everybody reacted, and that was midway through the election campaign, which also turned the tide of uh, the major issues
2: on the campaign and pulled at our heartstrings. Notwithstanding the fact that, that the government has just said that they may double their target, They're talking about this with Sunny Ways, but I think so far, they're basically doing what the Harper government said it would do. And most of the refugees that have come in so far are privately sponsored. I believe that most of them are from beleaguered minorities. We have a lot of Christians. So... I'm just wondering if it's kind of a new spin and a new face.
3: Well, it's a, putting a new top on, on, an, on an old issue. The Harper government was going to bring in a set amount, and it was a reasonable number. Uh, I think John McCollum a couple of days ago in Jordan upped it a bit. He said, OK, 50,000 for 2016. Yeah. So that puts a new top on it.
2: Toronto, John Tory, first full year. There you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a
1: different kind of Toronto than it was uh, uh, just a little over a year ago.
3: Is it ever? Finally, there's a mayor who'll talk to me. I mean, to me, that's, Gail, it's that's, all a, about that's you. a huge... <laughs> it is. If you you asked me to talk, so it is all about me. It's a mayor who will talk to everyone. It's a mayor who actually will uh, try to answer a question.
1: And John Tory is moving forward as slowly or as quickly as the bureaucracy will let him in making changes to gridlock downtown into moving forward his smart track transit plan into figuring out what we're going to do with the Gardner Expressway and poverty.
2: He is making headway. To say that the biggest thing about him is that he answers questions—it's it's night and day. I mean, it's not a circus. It's not—it's—it's it's not an act for late-night television right. anymore. Well, right.
3: I say that, Libby, because when you look mm. at the twenty-two billion dollars in capital expenditures needed by the city, for which there isn't really a nickel set aside, when you look at the fifty-seven million dollars shortfall in the capital budget, for which there's no red-hot idea about where that's coming from. It sounds an awful lot like past regimes at, uh, at at City Hall. So until we see some action. Right. And again, with John Tory, I don't, we've seen a little bit of action. He's had more time, a little bit of action on some, some files. He got the tow trucks out, uh, annoyed yeah. everybody <laughs> stopping for, for, for coffee. For about a week. For about a week. Uh, so he's still got to get some big wins himself to bolster that reputation.
2: I agree with you, but in the same way that Justin Trudeau putting a different face and a different attitude and a different demeanor on things and the fact that that is important, I think that John Tory doing the same thing is also really important. And uh, finally, what about good things
1: for the coming year? You know, the older I get, the more I realize when you have your health, you have everything. And as long as you can get up and go to work every day, I mean, I know that sounds a bit Pollyanna, but it's
2: true. Oh,
3: no, no. It's not Pollyanna. That's reality. That's reality.
2: Jane Brown, Dale Goldhawk, I wish you all of the very best in 2016 and also to all our listeners. Let's have a great year. Thank you.
3: Okay. I'll vote for that.
2: Yes. Thanks, Libby. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. We've got just a few days left to make sure all our finances are in order before year-end 2015. Financial guru Gordon Pape will join us next.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca.
2: There are just a few days left in 2015, which means it's time for a year-end look at our finances to make sure everything is in order and in optimal shape for tax time. It's especially important this year since the new Liberal government has already made some changes and is set to make more in the new year. I got some timely advice from financial guru and Zoomer magazine columnist Gordon Pape.
4: Number one is... Um charitable donations and I think that's more important than ever now because the uh, statistics are showing that some of the charities are having uh, some trouble meeting their goals and I think that uh, people need to keep in mind there are some quite generous tax breaks by uh, making charitable deductions uh, by December 31st uh, after the first $200 uh, you get a 29% tax credit at the federal level and then any provincial tax savings are added on top of that So uh, it's always a good idea to do that. I've always, uh, myself, uh, waited until the week before Christmas and New Year's. I keep a list of the charities that I want to contribute to. And uh, then I just go online to their websites, contribute uh, right online using a credit card, and you get your tax receipt by email virtually instantly. So you've got everything all ready for the tax people when it comes time to file the return.
2: Why do you wait?
4: Uh, why do I wait uh, basically to see how much money I have left after Christmas?
2: <laughs> Often the advice is to put all the charitable donations uh, in one spouse's return. Do you recommend that if, if say, both spouses have equal incomes?
4: Yes, I think that's a good idea. But there, there is a little bit of a twist this year that um, perhaps we should talk about and that is the new tax bracket coming in effective January 1st for people with high incomes, that is people over $200,000. Now, there may be some of our listeners that fall into that category, and one thing they should be aware of is that the government has announced that they are going to create a 33% tax credit for people making charitable deductions to the extent that they have income over $200,000, and that will take effect in 2016. So uh, if you are in that situation and... You Not a bad benefit-
2: situation to be in.
4: <laughs> well, exactly, and you want to uh, you know, contribute a lot of money and take advantage of that higher tax credit, then you'd be better to make a claim in 2016 rather than 2015.
2: The new government has said that it is going to roll back the limits for tax-free savings accounts.
4: Yes, and, unfortunately.
2: And, unfortunately, and my understanding was that that was going to come in next year in the next budget and that people could still contribute the 10000 before then but they have introduced this measure in the mini-budget. So what does it mean?
4: The new liberal government has turned around and said, no, we're taking it back to $5,500 effective January 1st, uh, and we're bringing back indexing. So we're we're reverting to the status quo prior to last April's budget. So what has happened is we've had the one year, that is 2015, in which the $10,000 limit does apply, And that is carried forward indefinitely, so you don't have to get the money in the plan by December 31st to take advantage of that. That forms part of your ongoing contribution limit if you haven't uh, been able to contribute the full amount to a tax-free savings account. You can still do that going forward, but for 2016, the limit will only be $5,500.
2: What else do we have to do by year's end?
4: Well, if you have a registered education savings plan or want to set one up and you want to take advantage of the Canada Savings Grant for uh, the 2015 year, you have to have the money in by December 31st. Uh, That's not like RSPs where the contribution limit is uh, 60 days after year end. For registered education savings plans or RESPs, it's got to be in before the end of the year. Now, there is one other point that uh, I think, again, is useful to keep in mind, Libby, as far as the uh, year-end planning here, and it relates to this issue of uh, capital gains. We have this uh, this tax cut, which is uh, coming into effect for the middle-income group, and that takes place in 2016. And if you're in that middle-income bracket, you'll save some money.
2: Okay, that's a very good point anything else?
4: Well, uh, that whole issue of when to take income really does factor into a lot of things, depending on what your taxable income level is. Uh, if, for example, suppose you're getting a Christmas bonus and you have um, expecting income of less than 200000 in 2016. Again, you're better to take that Christmas bonus in January if you can persuade your employer to do that uh, because the tax rate for 2016 is going to be lower than in 2015. High-income people, however, more than $200,000 a year, take the bonuses, deferred income, anything else, recognize it now to avoid that extra four percentage points of tax. I just uh, would encourage people to take a close look at the effect of these tax changes that were announced by the uh, the government uh, uh, several days ago, and to see how the tax changes are going to affect uh, their own personal situation, uh, because there may be other instances in which uh, they might want to either make some moves in 2015 or defer them to 2016, depending on how they're going to be affected by what's happening uh, as of January 1st.
2: Okay. Gordon Pape, thank you so much.
4: Okay, you're welcome, Libby.
2: Bye-bye, and happy holidays.
4: Thank you, and the same to you and to all our listeners.
2: I've been speaking with financial columnist Gordon Pape. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Jimmy Buffett, the man who took us all to Margaritaville, celebrated his 69th birthday this Christmas. We'll be back with some of his music right after this.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca.
2: Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. It's time for your international arts datebook. tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown.
1: Maurice Hines pays tribute to his late brother, Gregory, and others who've inspired him in a new Broadway show. That's the Heinz brothers tap dancing in the 1984 film The Cotton Club. Maurice Hines Tapping Through Life, is at New World Stages. In Los Angeles, Canadian-born architect Frank Gehry presents a comprehensive look at his extraordinary body of work beginning in the early 1960s. The exhibition is at the L.A. County Museum of Art. To London, England, where the 1782 novel of sex, intrigue, and betrayal in pre-revolutionary France is brought to life on stage.
4: Is there anything I could do to help? I'm entirely at your disposal.
1: Well, yes. I told Dansany you would act as his confidant and advisor. I need you to stiffen his resolve.
2: If that's the phrase.
1: That's from the nineteen eighty-eight film version of Dangerous Liaisons, starring Glenn Close and John Malkovich. The theater production is at the Donmar Warehouse. And in Paris, Osiris The Sunken Mysteries of Egypt immerses visitors in Egyptian mythology at the Arab World Institute. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International
2: Arts Datebook. Book. December 25th wasn't just Christmas for Jimmy Buffett. The singer, songwriter, and businessman also celebrated his 69th birthday. Born and raised in Mobile, Alabama, Buffett's first love was actually country music. In the late 60s, he headed to Nashville, where he recorded his first album, Down to Earth. But a few years later, a trip to Key West, Florida, changed his life. He fell in love with the local lifestyle and permanently moved to Key West, where he established his easygoing beach bum persona. In 1977, he released the album Changes in Latitudes, Changes in Attitudes. It featured his breakout hit, Margaritaville, the anthem that has brought him fame and fortune, both as a lasting radio hit and as the inspiration for Buffett's casual dining restaurant chain. Right now, we'll celebrate Jimmy Buffett's 69th birthday with our own trip to Margaritaville. That was Jimmy Buffett with Margaritaville. Buffett celebrated his 69th birthday on Christmas Day. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review the last edition of 2015. Tune in next week for some advice on how to best approach the fitness and exercise goals we set every year. Until 2016, I'm Libby Zneimer.
0: You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. executive producer Moses Zneimer, produced by Paul Thomas, program director John Bandreel.